Good morning, Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones, and you are watching AM to DM. All right, and we are going to get right into the news this morning. Uh, you might have noticed Constitution is trending on Twitter right now. Here's a tweet about it from the Washington Post editor, Karen Atia. Disappointed, but unsurprised at the people who were saying Trump's assault on birthright citizenship is a distraction and that we should ignore it. Immigrants and black and brown people don't have the privilege to ignore Trump's assaults on our lives. Amen. Mm. Also, just like everyone woke up to this news this morning and it has taken over the timeline. Yep. So if you're like me, you woke up to this tweet from Axios, exclusive, President Trump plans to sign an executive order that would remove the right to citizenship for babies of non-citizens and unauthorized immigrants born on U.S. soil. To which Southpaw tweeted, wakes up, can't undo the 14th Amendment by executive order, falls back asleep. <laughs> so, again, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, this is scary. And then it's, oh, God, I'm, ah, mm, mm. I don't know, I don't know. So let's talk to BuzzFeed News Politics editor Matt Berman, who joins us now. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How's it going? Going all right. Is I, it? <laughs> I said all. I didn't say great. Okay, we're here, Matt. We're here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to start with the question that's on everybody's mind this morning, and let's be honest, most mornings. Mm. Can the president do this? <laughs> so the answer appears to very likely be no. Uh, there's going to be some debate that we're going to see over the next, you know, few hours as constitutional lawyers wake up, especially those who might be on the West Coast, but. Uh, this is something that's come up before. This is not the first time that Trump has mentioned this. He first quoted in 2015. And when these debates have kind of come up, the idea has been that no, like, at, at least you would need like an act of Congress. Uh, at, the best case scenario for Trump is that this is, would wind up being like a lengthy court battle that winds up going in his favor eventually. Uh, but it's kind of unclear how that would work out right now. Unclear. And, and one, I mean, yes, in, in the last two, two and a half years, there have been a lot of instances of us saying, no, this is not possible. And then the administration finds some way to make it maybe not possible in the first iteration, but maybe in the third. So let, let's talk about how would this manifest as, as a court case, for example? Yeah. So I'm sorry to, to jump into the 1890s, but uh, this, the first time the Supreme Court went on this was in 1898, uh, or at least the last time that this, there was a definitive answer around this, where they ruled that a, Chinese, a person of a Chinese background who was born in San Francisco was a citizen, despite the fact that he left the U.S. to go to, San, to, go to China for a little bit and then came back. Uh, so that is the last time this has really been tested, and it's kind of been held as precedent since then. The argument that some conservatives put forward, as well as uh, including Michael Anton, who is a former Trump administration official, is that this doesn't necessarily go for children of people who are in the U.S. illegally. Uh, there's not really much that's been tested around that. But the idea from a lot of people on the constitutional side of things is that uh, this won't really fly in courts because back in the 1890s and before that, illegal immigration and illegal immigrants wasn't really a thing so much because this was only leading up to when we first had like really established immigration laws. So that's sort of their angle into it, but it's still like a far from sure thing that this will work for them. Okay, a far from sure thing. And I do, I see so many people on the timeline definitely saying like, listen, this is what the constitution is here for. Mm. But I do want to ask you this, Berman. Um, this administration tends to not play by the rules. 
So what is making people, especially constitutional scholars that are so short, like why are people so sure that this might not work? There are so many people who would be affected by this. And there are so many people who are already, you're seeing this morning, even including some House Republicans who are like just saying, nope, you can't do this, that the backlash is going to be really, really strong, that we're guaranteed a lot of court cases, a lot of very, very smart lawyers who really know what they're talking about. Like Trump, you may or may not be aware, is not a constitutional scholar. Uh, a lot of actual constitutional scholars who are out there will be really fighting on uh, behalf of people who think that this is not something that should work, uh, as well as surely some people on the other side as well. Okay, and so, and so to that point, uh, Matt, I wanted to read this tweet from Five Fifths. He's great. He said, listen, we just emerged from a Supreme Court nomination fight that featured the subtext of essentially whether a president is prosecutable or not, and y'all are in my mentions acting like the Constitution is a force field. So here's the thing, because you're already kind of speaking to how it would, traditionally speaking, play out in the court system. So setting that aside, from your perspective as a politics editor, uh, does it feel different and is it impacting editorial decisions you are making in the newsroom there in DC or in New York here? Um, the, the anxiety and the seeming like, like um, increasing lack of faith actually in the constitution as a force field. Well, that's depressing. Um, I, I think like you guys got into it at the top of the show, which is just that there are a lot of people who this is not like uh, just like a scoop for it, right? There are a lot of people who the substance of this really matters. So I think it is something as, a, as an editor that we do want to cover. And it's something that, you know, is a story we will be on today, which isn't to say that we won't be doing the things that we would normally be doing otherwise, but we're a lucky news organization with enough resources to, to be able to do both things. So I, I, I think it's, it's hard to be predictive, right? You don't want to, especially after the 2016 election, you don't want to be in this position of saying, this is a thing that definitely can't happen. The constitution will definitely hold in a way that we think it will hold. But uh, it's, yeah, I, I, it's, 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 hard, it's hard to get into and, and, and try to have like big confidence on, on where things will go. And shout out to Ellie Hall from BuzzFeed News on her headline for her piece, which is, now Trump is saying he'll stop babies born here from becoming citizens, though he probably can't. Let's get back to Axios, though, because this story isn't just a story, it's also promo for their new HBO show. Let's take a look. On immigration, some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the Constitution. With you an could, executive order. Exactly. Right. Uh, have you thought about that? Yes. Tell me more. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Right. 14th what? Amendment. You don't. You don't. Number one. Number one, you don't need that. Number two. I mean, that's in dispute. You could definitely that's very much in dispute. Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress. But now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. Okay, Jonathan Swan looks like he's having a hoop there. But listen, uh, someone asked Soledad O'Brien, uh, if you get a good soundbite, you know, wouldn't you use it in a promo? Because that's what's going on there. It's not just a news story, but it's promo for the HBO show. This is what Soledad had to say. Oh, 100%. Pretty sure I wouldn't laugh about the president suggesting tossing the Constitution. But the reason there is no context around this highly improbable, legally extremely difficult proposal is it's a promo. That's the whole point. So, Matt, how unusual is it to see news, and frankly, I mean, this is about as high stakes as it gets in terms of news, used uh, in this way? Uh, 
Yeah, it, it, I can't think of other examples of it uh, necessarily. I mean, there, there was, uh, you know, uh, Showtime's show The Circus has done some stuff like that where they'll like, you know, put out something a few days before their like Sunday night show uh, to try to bring up attention. But this, it, it feels a little unusual. And, and I think, you know, there's the, the criticism around how the reporter in that situation handled it with, the, with laughing. I think it's, it's interesting, but like at the same time, there's like a level of, he's excited that he got a story, right? Which like, I, I think like a lot of people in journalism can relate to. The problem is, again, the substance here is really, really important for a lot of people. So it can feel a little uh, off-putting, um, understandably. And I got to ask, is Axio taking heat this morning for that clip being a little off-putting? Uh, yes, for, for that in the headline. But look, like, Axios, honestly, they, they get heat uh, a lot of mornings for, for the way that they uh, have changed how news is covered in a lot of ways. And like, I, I think that there's, there are some like, really great merits to the way that they cover news by trying to be really short and really concise and get uh, the best possible information in the fewest possible words to readers. But I think that you can run into some trouble with, with that sometimes when you don't build in the full context. And to that point about full context, I wanted to get some clarification. During that interview, President Trump says, uh, quote, we are the only country in the world, end quote, essentially to have birthright citizenship. That goes unchallenged in the interview clip. But am I right to say that's not true? We are not the only country in the world that has birthright citizenship. You are right. That is not true. Okay. So, I just wanted to be clear. <laughs> at, least, at least 30 uh, other countries is what I read this morning. Okay. But uh, yeah, that is not Okay. <laughs> well, we're From just media <laughs> criticism to fact checking yeah. to actual constitutional law. Matt I mean, Berman. Yeah, thanks for uh, throwing us back to the 1800s, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. All right. Um, I also uh, think about Michelle Cliff's, uh, Michelle Wolf's uh, White House correspondent standard speech all the time, especially on mornings like this. And this excerpt from her speech is why. She said, you guys are obsessed with Trump. Did you used to date him? Because you pretend like you hate him, but I think you love him. I think no one in this room wants to admit that Trump has helped all of you. Yeah. Wow. And again, that was April of 2018. And if you remember, if you were anywhere near your phone uh, after she gave that speech, she was slaughtered for that speech. Mm -hmm. And it's like we all owe her an apology. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, less of a speech, maybe more of a prediction of mm. the way that rest of that year was going to do go. Well, listen, uh, let's talk about last night, what was taking over the timeline, though. Ooh. There was a giant feud, as you all know, between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. And uh, it once again... <laughs> <laughs> was front and center because they are pretty incredible at putting themselves front and center. Yeah. Rafi, uh, D'Angelo, you tweeted, Emmy Award for Best Documentary Series goes to Bel Calis Almanzar for her stunning Instagram reporting in Cardi V. Nikki Receipts Edition, that obviously being Cardi's uh, real name. I like it. Forthcoming from Netflix. Forthcoming from Netflix. <laughs> uh, BuzzFeed News Entertainment reporter Sylvia Obel. We love her. Hello, Opinions. She tweeted this. All I know is Cardi B has a future in investigative journalism. Mama keeps her facts and receipts organized and succinct. Mm. Well said. I, and let's succinct. Talk let's talk. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start here. <laughs> It's three rows yeah. on Cardi B's Instagram story. Three 
wrote. Like, That's a lot of real estate. I've gotten really mad. It's not Instagram stories. Mm. It's not popping right. off a few tweets. It is literally just front camera faces and she, yeah. she goes in. Don't get me wrong. She brings facts. Yeah. Absolutely 100%. I've dedicated, I think, three pictures to my Halloween costume. You know, this weekend, and I was like, it's a choice. I'm committing, it's a choice. But yeah, I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, this has been going on for a very long time, and it's like nebulous, and it's hard to know exactly when the feud started. Of course, their their fight, or whatever you want to call it, Fashion Week, that was September. And I keep thinking about in 2018, I'm like, I can barely, how can, I can hold on to one emotion uh, for about 30 seconds, I feel like, before America goes whoop, 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 and I like forget it all happened. Not Nikki and Cardi, uh-huh. though. Uh-uh. Focus. I, and that is, that is, September was just the fight. And so Nikki, I believe it was yeah. on Thursday, mm-hmm. talked about it again on a radio yes. program. Yeah. Cardi B is answering to that. Uh, I, I do want to <laughs> just point out, they do benefit from this. Oh, yeah. Like, you and oh. I should fight more. Oh. That's all I'm going to say. Tension. Imagine if it was three Instagram Tension. rows of you just being like, and another thing. Isaac never has to comb his hair, <laughs> and I hate it. Anyways. Okay, I, well, step one, I will release a single on uh, Spotify. Uh, step two, I'm whooping your ass. All right, there it is. <laughs> Listen, Nicki Minaj ended the, I'm sorry, uh, Nicki Minaj ended the night by tweeting that she wants to focus on positive things and that she wouldn't be discussing the nonsense anymore. I love that. Which... Yeah, because, and listen, because Nikki, she brought this up yesterday during the workday with Queen Radio. She's already talked about it, and she brought it all up. Mm. And only after Cardi in prime time was like, well, honey, if you want to fight, you know, she's like, kumbaya. I just want to focus on the positive things. <laughs> I just want to focus on the positive things. I love it. I Robin love Petey, it. you tweeted, <sighs> Cardi B just negotiated a truce between her and Nicki Minaj. In one night of Instagram receipt presentations, she has accomplished more than Trump has in two days. Years. Okay. Oh, right. Well, Bilzy B has the real takeaway. Blue Ivy is truly the only unproblematic female rapper we have. Amen. Close but no cigar. Beyonce is. Oh, (laughs) let Blue Ivy have her. Don't act like ape shit didn't happen. Let Blue Ivy have her (laughs) moments. All right. I'm just saying. I want to shoot from the hip here. Okay. I just want to ask everyone because I can't get over it. Mm. What is something that would make you so angry? that you took three Instagram rows to talk about. Just let us know what would make you that angry. (sighs) I mean, you know, I I hate spit. So for me, it would probably be someone spitting on me. Okay, if somebody spat on you. If someone spits on me, we're both going to jail that night. That's true. And as soon as I, like, make bail, uh, (laughs) and I have money set aside, children, uh, I am. I'm Three rows I want you to know I've been friends with Saeed for over half a decade, and he just... Always talks about how if somebody spat on him, that would be, it would be three rows. It would not be three on the rows. stories. It'd three, be on the not camp. on the stories, darling. Okay. And it'd be on every platform I have. We're all going to jail that night if I get spit you on. You just let me know what the how to get that money for bail because <laughs> I'll bring it on over. Okay. And while everyone is throwing grenades left and right for obviously like no reason, we just want to fight. I want to throw one more. Uh, today <laughs> is National Candy Corn Day, and uh, I just want to say that I love candy corn, and I'm ready to fight you all to the death to defend its honor. It, Wow. So, you know, don't get me wrong. just firing off left and right. I don't yeah. hate candy corn. I don't know if I love it enough to <laughs> fight to the death about it. But let's, let's go to the timeline with that, too. So what makes you angry? And also, where do you stand on the candy corn debate? Let us know using the hashtag I feel like- AM to... I can't believe you're going to... All right. This is, this is the, the hill matrix. he's going to die on. This is the hill he's going to die on. Bring it. I mean, you know, why not at this <laughs> point? Why not? This is the dumbest apocalypse 
ever. Well, later in the show, uh, we get to talk to the internet's favorite mascot, Gritty. Probably Gritty can save us. Uh, and plus, I'm gonna be sitting down with Omari Hardwick to talk about Nobody's Fool and Power. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. Oh, God. <laughs> Fire! Fire! Welcome back. Melissa E. Jordan, you tweeted, the only good thing about candy corn is that it's not circus peanuts. Oh, that's true. So those, those are terrible. That's you're not going to die on awful, that hill. Awful. You will defend candy corn to I the death. I really like candy corn. But circus peanuts right under the yeah, bus. No trash. Garbage. What about like caramel candy corn? I don't know if I've had that. I, you know me. I don't like just changing things up. So I like candy <laughs> corn. I want candy corn, darling. And you know about how if you I put did, them and together. What a delight. You can make a little corn on the cob. Isn't that cute? <laughs> I like that. You I don't know why you're out there playing with your food like that. You'd be eating it, but you know, I, like I like it. You knew exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. Okay, let's get in these fire tweets. <sighs> Mike Primavera, you said, I'm an adult, and I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And I wish someone would take this power from me. <laughs> Yes. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. It's hard. How much candy uh, corn are you eating this time? None of your business. <laughs> none of your business. Okay, this tweet comes from Shafiq. I really need to realize that staying in bed for the extra five minutes actually does nothing but make me late. Woo! Absolutely a prayer. A hundred percent. That's just true. Do you do it? Can I tell you something? Yeah. I'm not going to show anyone, okay. but um, I have my salary as my alarm. So that would it, and it's like three times. <laughs> and each time it's like, all right now, girl, you see how much money you're making? Get wow. up three times every morning. And it's um, my alarm sound is Rihanna's work, work, work. That is what I, because I, to get past that five minutes of sleeping in. I think you're deeply <laughs> underestimating how much I like sleep. Oh, damn. It would have to be a pretty big number <laughs> to get me to give up on those last. I'm just, all right, here Ooh. we go. Huncho Dreams, you tweeted, it's officially, once I get home, I ain't coming back out season. Real. Absolutely. Real. Which is to say it's the year 2018, <laughs> But yeah. Do you remember the it's last cold, time it's... you went home and then managed to get back out? I, I powered through. Okay. I powered through. Is it through. the same alarm? But <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry, I'm a little yeah, fascinated by these Have alarms. I not told you this? Do you have, like, no, you have not it's told me this. It's three more, and they get more urgent, I start going all caps. So, like, going out, is it, like, pictures of your friends? <laughs> or, like, pictures of wine? I might need to do that. This is pretty smart. Think about it, no, think about it. Give yourself bad. a reason. Okay, this tweet comes from Quinta. We stand, Quinta. You know you're annoyed when you wish you could hang up on the text convo. <laughs> now... <laughs> Just yesterday, you had the day off. Just yesterday, uh, Katie Natopoulos and I were talking about when you get a text and just based on, like, you see the first sentence, you're like, nope, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the equivalent of hanging up? Would it be blocking somebody's number? You, I've, I've muted people. You can mute people? <laughs> you can mute a text. I'll show you later. Oh, and, and they just keep sending it into the void? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. All right, let's go to the screen <laughs> of the day. Let's do it. All right. Comes from Ryan. I don't like this ad. Or, why am I seeing this ad? Third option, this ad overheard my conversations. Absolutely true. Now, I know you like to call me paranoid on this stuff, but it's basically true now. Yeah. It's like fact. I, yeah, they're, I, they're doing it. Isaac is an Aquarius and as a conspiracy theorist, uh, but I've got to say, you're totally right about this. Sometimes you are right. absolutely Remember right. Remember when I was one. talking about that belt? Yes. And all the ads for belts? 
You know I didn't Google <laughs> search true. belts. This is what I want. I want when when I finally give in, because I so often do, and like buy the damn sweater or whatever has been showing up, how do you like, I want the ads to stop. Stop showing me this thing. I've given up. You've won, capitalism. It's like, you've won. But what if you want to buy more humidors? <laughs> I don't know why you're buying humidors in this joke. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Later in the show, the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers, Gritty, is going to react to the news, darling. But up next, we are going live from the district. I'm so excited that Gritty's here. I'm like, this Let's focus on I'm that. Welcome back. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News DC editor Sarah Mims. Uh, Sarah, how's your morning going? Oh, great, as always. Just absolutely wonderful here in DC. Things are wonderful. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. We figured. Good. No, we stand yeah. a sarcastic optimism. Uh, here's a tweet from Hayes Brown. Very calm. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in how chaotic and bad everything is and forget how damn weird everything is. It is weird that the U.S. is sending troops to stand around in the South for weeks while a bunch of families walk north on foot. So Sarah, what exactly are these troops going to be doing on the border? Uh, it's super unclear what they're going to be doing on the border. Um, they're going to be standing on the border in their uniforms a week before the election, so there's that. Um, aside from that, the government hasn't really told us what they're going to be doing. Um, they're going down with some extra border fencing. They could provide like backup capabilities, but they're actually precluded under law from engaging in any kind of law enforcement activity. They can't interact with migrants, really. They can't help guard the southern border in any meaningful way. Um, so they will be standing around uh, doing some kind of behind the scenes stuff, but they're, they're not actually going down to guard the border. Okay, and that is fascinating to me fascinating. for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, because of course we know the caravan, like it could be weeks, uh, maybe even months before they actually reach the border. But my question is, is it cheap to send troops to the border like this? Oh, no, 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 it's not. Um, the last time George W. Bush sent some troops down to the border, he sent about 6,000. We're sending uh, closer to 7,300 this time. That cost $1.2 billion. Um, these troops are supposed to be down there until December 15th, so it could be well over a billion dollars to do this, yeah. A billion dollars, and when they get there, they're like legally precluded from doing anything. Yeah, I mean, like, they can do kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. They can help out with fencing. They can provide, you know, support to the actual Border Patrol people who are down there. But, yeah, they're not allowed to do the actual Border Patrolling. They wow. actually do the patrolling. Wow. Okay, I want to ask, how does that number, 7,300, how does it compare to where we have troops elsewhere in the world? Mm. Yeah, so it's more troops than we have in Iraq and Syria combined, uh, as my colleague Vera reported yesterday. It's about half the number we have in Afghanistan. It's also more than double the number of people who are still in the caravan, which is two-thirds women and children. So it is a lot, a lot, a lot of U.S. troops. The two soldiers to every Ooh. one member of the caravan and two-thirds of the caravan are women and children. Just want to state that again, correct? Yes. Wow. All right, well, here's a tweet from Washington Post Josh Dossie. Trump is visiting Pittsburgh today with funerals underway for the synagogue shooting victims. The city's mayor said earlier Monday <coughs> he wished the president would delay his visit until after the funerals. Trump visit is a flashpoint in Pittsburgh. Sarah, what should we expect from Trump's visit to Pittsburgh today? 
I mean, it should be a really interesting visit. Uh, like you said, the mayor of Pittsburgh does not want the president to come right now. There's supposed to be at least two funerals for victims of the shooting today. Um, so yeah, the president's going to go down there. He's bringing Melania. He's bringing Ivanka and Jared, who are of course Jewish. Um, you know, this is kind of a big opportunity for him, I guess, uh, given all of the concern about the way that he's handled um, white supremacists and, and attacks against uh, the Jewish community and also other people of color. Um, so, you know, they see this as an opportunity for him to go up there and try to give a good message about that. At the same time, like having a president visit requires a lot of police presence, and the city of Pittsburgh is not totally certain that they're going to be able to adequately protect the president and the rally that he's doing uh, or the event that he's doing and also protect uh, these funerals and a number of Jewish community centers, schools and synagogues around the city that are obviously in kind of a panic right now. Wow. So, it, so it's not even necessarily like politics um, in the mayor saying, you know, I don't think it's the best time for you to come. It's, it's just like literally like resources and, and logistics is part of this. Yeah, totally. It's resources and logistics, and it's also, you know, he has said, let us bury our dead first. Let us mourn and get to a point where we want to have more of a national conversation about what happened here. But right now, we're still a community that's really grieving, and we need to respect the opinions of, of the families. Um, it's not really clear at this point how the families feel about Trump's visit, but I think the fact that that is not an answered question is something that's been really deeply concerning to the mayor and other officials in the city. Okay, and I know there have been different responses from different people in the city. The rabbi at the Tree of Life has said the president is welcome. I wanted to ask you about Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday. Uh, how has she been addressing Trump's decision to visit Pittsburgh at this point? Yeah, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders opened her press conference yesterday very emotional. It sounded like she was on the verge of tears at times, saying that uh, the Jewish community has the, the president in the White House's full support, um, talking about his own Jewish family members, including Jerry and Ivanka and their children, um, and basically saying that he needed to go to Pittsburgh to make it really, really clear uh, that what happened there is totally unacceptable. Um, it, was, it was a really interesting uh, moment, given some of the history with the White House on these issues. To say the least. Well, uh, Sarah Mims, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. All right, friends, uh, up next, uh, we are talking to Gritty. Yes. We're so excited for this conversation. Oh, look. We are getting to the oh, Gritty. Oh, okay, Gritty. Getting to the Gritty. Okay, Gritty getting is ready. Gritty. Gritty is ready. ready. Gritty is the only one having a good morning. Stuff. Look at oh, that. Oh, my God. Look at that oh, my shimmy. Goodness. Look at that shimmy. It's a little scary. All right, our next guest has taken the internet and our hearts by storm. I am deeply honored to introduce the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers, Gritty. Good morning, Gritty. Oh, look Good at this. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. What are you holding there, Gritty? What is this? Is... <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Let's, All right. Let's get into it. How does it feel to have been welcomed, not just by Philly, but by the entire world? Oh! <laughs> I thought that, it was that's a, pretty good. I thought it was a fight instead. I think Gritty's, yeah, me too. Uh, Gritty, you recently tweeted, time flies to celebrate your first month on this earth. Uh, <laughs> Gritty, what's it felt like to grow up in the spotlight? <laughs> oh, oh, no Are you deal. dusting your shoulders off? Dusting his shoulders wow. off. Wow. No big okay, deal. Okay, Gritty. No big deal. 
Uh, you also tweeted out your thoughts on the film A Star Is Born, praising Lady Gaga on her performance. But what did you think of Bradley Cooper's directing? Oh, oh, <laughs> what a big fan. We have I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Fan. Now listen, this, Kitty. This is between me and you. Between me and you. <laughs> you are so good on Twitter. So what is your secret to success? Like, or just on it all the is time? That, hang on, Gritty, is that a belly button? Is that? <laughs> I won't, I, I won't lie, wow. I'm a Gritty fan. I don't think I knew that you had a belly button. Yeah. I... Oh, wow. <laughs> Some things you cannot unsee. Um, okay, so Gritty, here's the thing. There are so many stories we, of course, want to cover on the show. Every morning there's just so much news, um, but we don't have time. So uh, we have gathered a list of headlines, and we want to get your take on them. It is time for Gritty Reacts the News. Uh, are you ready, Gritty? Gritty's ready. Okay, here we go. Man uses blowtorch to kill black widow spiders, lights house on fire. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely not. Fair. All right. There's a Smash Mouth musical, and it's the only and the only song in it is All Star. <laughs> You're so eloquent. It's it's, it's oh, really the language of the body. The language of the body. Very clearly this morning. Okay. <laughs> Twitter says it may kill the like button, but not anytime soon. <laughs> what's the deal? What's wow, the, what's the, was that a curse word? <laughs> Nebraska unveils its new tourism campaign. Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> Very diplomatic. Very diplomatic response. I'm sure you have a lot of fans in Nebraska. Okay, here's another one. Um, CDC says it's okay to dress up your chickens for Halloween. <laughs> wow. Oh, he's even Look at the dedication. Oh, my God. What a brilliant... Oh, he's picking the camera. Oh, my God. Gritty. Man, I do. I got to say, man, dress your chickens up like Gritty. That looks really good. All right. One million dollar winning Mega Millions ticket sold at a Wawa in Broomall. Oh, okay, make it yes, rain. Yes, making it rain. Make it rain. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, it is a million. It is a lot of money. Yeah, that's. I get it. That's it was a lot. Very good. Look, and then he's like, "Give me some more." Okay. All right. <laughs> get it. I like this. I like the vibes. Okay, gritty. One last question before we go. Today is National Candy Corn Day. It's uh, very controversial. I don't know if you know about this. So, what are your thoughts on candy corn? <gasps> Is it triggering to see people eating orange and yellow candy? No. Okay. He's just, wow. He's just not, not here, here for it. For it. Right. I won't lie. He might have just influenced my feelings on candy corn. You I'm right with you, Gritty. I'm Whatever. with you, buddy. Listen, thank you so much for, for providing your insightful commentary this morning. We wish you and the Flyers all the best.
<laughs> yeah, come on. Clap it up. Clap it up. For yes. <laughs> Clap him off the stage. God bless. What kind of bunker do they have Gritty in? I'm just way? saying. The, the... I got to tell you, I'll say this right here. Gritty is more eloquent than the president of the United States. And he didn't say a damn word. I saw I... commas and periods, all kinds of good grammar <laughs> in those sentences. You saw grammar. All right, listen, up next, Saeed sits down with Omari Hardwick. Woo. Don't go away. What a, a I'm range gonna, I'm going to go gif every single thing that Gritty just did. That was beautiful. <laughs> This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Omari Hardwick, star of Tyler Perry's new film, Nobody's Fool, and of course, Power on Stars. Good morning. Thanks for having it's me. Good to see you. Good to see good you. Good morning, good people. I love it. I love it. I also love that you take your vitamins every morning. Yes, it's I important. do. Shout it out to wellness. Very important. I love Shout it. out to wellness. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's get into Nobody's Fool. Tika Sumter was here yesterday, and she's a delight, and it was so fun to talk to her about the movie. Did she do the couch service? Was she on this orange couch? She was sitting right there. I she was it. looking great. She, yeah, she, she looks better than me on Orange County. <laughs> Top back to follow. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we now, know that. Now, in the movie, you play her love interest, uh, coffee yeah. shop owner, mm -hmm. and she's not totally feeling you. It's yeah. kind of a hard pitch, which yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, Tika, dang, girl. Tyler Cro created this. Um, he was a fan of, he is a fan of mm -hmm. Catfish, the mm -hmm. show. Yeah. And so he decided um, to, to sort of create this rom-com. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do something very different because he's with Paramount now. He was mm -hmm. with Lionsgate prior. So he created a rom-com, turn it over on its head mm -hmm. in the sense that you have this very power uh, woman who's a great executor or moving up in the yeah. ranks at her, yeah, career at her job. Career woman. She has a list. A lot of women write lists or some women write lists, what have you, in terms of the perfect man. Mm -hmm. And I'm just a barista, um, a recovering alcoholic who owns a small business, that mm -hmm. being a coffee shop. I provide her her coffee. I want to provide her more. Mm -hmm. She's not acquiescing <laughs> my desires, and she, uh, and so I don't fit the list. Yeah, you know. But but we we learn when you watch the movie um, why I don't fit the list or mm -hmm. what I do fit about the list, exactly. and then she learns herself through that process. Absolutely, we so learn a lot, a lot about both characters yes, through that process. Yes. So absolutely. I wanted to ask you. Uh, what's the wildest thing you've ever done to like, you know, when you were like, here's the coffee, but also cream? Like, what, yeah, yeah. what have you done to, <laughs> to make that happen? Damn, <laughs> That was coffee no chaser at all. Um, I probably, let me see. It's po po I'm a poet, so okay. I've probably done a, right. I think I've done the like poems. different pieces of poems stuck around and you got to find and put the puzzle together and okay. that whole thing. I've done some crazy That's stuff. nice. I've done some stuff. There's some other stuff too that don't come to mind right now. Okay. But I've done that, that thing where it's a scavenger hut of um, maybe some verses mm -hmm. that I've left on the floor. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's good to edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good it is to good to edit. Leave, leave some yeah, yeah. And it's good to put them on the floor, too, because things might happen on the floor when sometimes the floor is underrated. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, the a person good. of vision. Yeah, why not? <laughs> now, uh, Tika said that she, of course, was so happy to work with you again because mm. you were in Sparkle, you yeah. know, together, yeah. and you yeah. have wonderful chemistry. Yeah. Um, but she was like, you know, had to figure out, like, because she was like, it's very brother and sister. I know. And then it's like doing, like, love scenes and, yeah. and romance. Have yeah, you yeah, ever yeah. had, and maybe not with her, but have you ever had like like truly awkward love scenes? Um, yeah. I, okay, yeah. I did a theater show years ago, um, a play, um, and I did it in LA and it was a war piece and, and there was mm -hmm. a love scene, just kissing. Mm -hmm. 
but it was my character with a woman at the time, and, and this is no disrespect to an elderly actress, mm -hmm. but um, it, she was cast to play the age that she was, which was like 78, 82 years old. Okay, so big age difference. Massive. Okay. And, uh, and just frail, a very frail, okay. just her physicality. Uh -huh. And obviously that was a, that was a little awkward, because I had to kind of be aggressive with her, uh -huh. but not. Uh -huh. 80 some years old, I was 20 something at the time doing mm -hmm. the stage play. So that, in terms of once I started working as a film actor, I've been lucky. Hmm. I've, you know, Janet Jackson, I played with Janet. I you played with. say that you've had <laughs> Janet, Janet Jackson. That's a love to, uh, interest. That's pretty great. To Gabby Union, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, Notori Norton on mm -hmm. Power, uh, Leela Lauren on mm -hmm. Power, Tika Sumter. Um, so I've been quite blessed, man. I've been very blessed to work with some very attractive, beautiful, cool, cool chicks. I love that. And you've also had a pretty blessed life. I mean, you know, I. Uh, taught high school at yep. one point. Yep. Now yep. I, you know, I certainly didn't expect to be yep. sitting on this couch. Yeah, and you were a teacher as well. I was. What was it like making that transition from being in the classroom to to being an actor? Well, it's ironic, Said. It was an interim. It was one of those. Mm -hmm. I was Jamaican for a while, man. I had like twenty jobs. Okay. <laughs> and I was trying to figure life out. So I was already cut from the NFL or mm -hmm. my attempt in NFL. Mm -hmm. And then in the pursuit of acting, I was in it, mm -hmm. and then ended up uh, becoming a school teacher at Campbell Hall, a substitute mm -hmm. teacher and a coach, which is where I met John David Washington, mm -hmm. who now, um, mm -hmm. shout outs to uh, his incredible show on HBO, Ballers, mm -hmm. and also just his career, obviously, the movie that he just did with Spike Lee. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was that, that transitional period, even for him, that made me remind uh, myself that I was in the same throes of having to believe that the real call was that of being an actor mm. and not necessarily being a, a ball player or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it was not a bad thing because you're still sort of teaching or at least teaching yourself things as an actor. Okay. The psychosis of these characters, mm -hmm. you having to study mm -hmm. the psyche or the, the psychology or, or thought behind who these characters are that you're putting yourself in is very similar to getting into the psyche of Students. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And oftentimes they know way more than you know as a right, teacher. Right. So and paying attention to that. Paying attention and, and using this, yeah. using this way more than this. So mm -hmm. as teachers, oftentimes we're thought of as using this, mm -hmm. but we also have to listen mm -hmm. to what the students yeah. are basically saying every single morning that they want from you. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, the best, that's, the only that's way dope do that you did that. Though. That's super well. cool. Thank you. You yeah. too. Um, well, we have to talk about power yeah. uh, because, yep. of course, I mean, it's a great show. Um, but also, it is a, a great part of Twitter. Like, black yeah, Twitter loves it. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's that like for you? Do, do fans ever confuse you with Ghost? Um, you know they do, say. Okay. <laughs> I was going to be polite. I was going to let you say it. <laughs> you know they do. <laughs> I mean, what, what makes it really difficult, and I'll defend fans for mm -hmm. a moment, um, it's a really difficult thing to understand even for a novice actor. Mm who perhaps has been hired to play a character and was brand new to the business, that in reality, if you're average to good to great in what we do, Marlon Brando said any idiot could do it. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we know he changed the face of acting because he's completely wrong. Not just any idiot can do it, and he was as brilliant as they come. But in reality, perhaps what he meant was translation. If all of these colors of the characters that I'm portraying are kind of already in me, mm -hmm. then it doesn't really feel like I'm doing work. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people now, of course, with social media and the desire for everyone to be famous. Mm -hmm. There are people that look at it as um, you're just the character that I'm on my couch watching or the character that I want to believe that you are mm -hmm. versus the other 16 to 18 that you've played. Mm -hmm. And in reality, defense of the fan would be me saying they're not all the way wrong because mm -hmm. parts of Ghost have to be in Omari for me to pull it off. Okay. To Marlon Brando's Some of you point. has to be. Some of, mm -hmm. some of me has to be in there. but. 
it is definitely one of those things where you start to understand the demographic based on what character in your now 17 year career mm-hmm. are most um, are most being gravitated to by by the area that you're in, by the demographic that you're around, by the mm-hmm. culture that you're around. Mm-hmm. Certain people relate to certain characters because that character made them feel away. Right. That character was relatable to them. So shout outs to the fans for trying to figure out yeah. Is he this? Yeah. Is he that? Being invested in it. Yeah, just to be invested. You know, I'm, I'm learning to really appreciate that. And the fact that they care, when they don't care, we got an issue. Fair, fair. You know? Well, to that point, and especially because you, of what you're saying about yourself and thinking about identity and also having worked with young people. Yeah. Your son on, on power, Tariq. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean, Shout out you know, to Michael Rainey Jr. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. my goodness, like especially at the end of last season with 50 Cent's character, you know, Ghost is having to realize a lot about his son. Oof. And I think that is, I, I think, you know, uh, uh, being a parent, it would be very scary to realize like, whoa, is my son dangerous? Yeah. Is, is my son getting like, where, what do I know about this person I brought into yeah. the world? If Tariq was your son, what would you do? <sighs> And, it's weird, and that's weird, because that mm-hmm. reminds me of the question that you asked prior, yeah. meaning that Michael Rainey, in part, I do treat like a son, mm. the guy who plays Tariq. Mm-hmm. But if Tariq is, is my son, I got I to gotta first start off with being honest with myself as Ghost. Mm. So a lot of people are rooting for Ghost to put a, a foot in Tariq's behind, but in reality, in reality, excuse me, Saeed, think about it. Ghost is still not being truthful. Mm-hmm. Ghost hasn't necessarily sat Tariq down and said, mm-hmm. okay, son, here it yeah. is. No saints here. Yeah. Oof. Even though the last name starts with the saint. So yeah. St. Patrick. It's ironic. <laughs> but there, there, are, there are no saints in that household. Yeah. Except for Raina, who's now gone, played by Don Shea Hopkins. So in reality, I think you would have to start with truth. Like, sit the, the young man down. Let him then decide, mm-hmm. wait, Pops, you were that? Mm-hmm. But if you care so much to not have me repeat what you are, and you're sending me to these schools and giving me these opportunities that Ghost and Tasha are giving this kid, then he can then decipher, oh, I guess Pops doesn't necessarily have pride in what he used to be. Mm. And Ghost starts out in the pilot showing that he's breaking good yeah. from bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he wants his son to not even have to break that, just right. be good. Yeah. You know, so Ooh. I would have to start with being truthful. And yeah. Ghost hasn't necessarily been truthful. That's right. He's got yeah. some work to do. Well, oh. before I let you go, I also wanted to ask about the spinoffs. Uh, Courtney Kemp, the showrunner Power, tweeted this. Hey there, Power fans. Spinoffs coming at ya. And other series I'm excited to bring to you, which is always great to hear. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm not going to tell you who survives <laughs> season six. <laughs> do you have any idea? Or who do you just think might survive season six? Um, it, 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 I, <laughs> I, I want to believe that uh, I, would, I would have assumed the logical spinoff is you know, it's perhaps, you know, it could be Angela mm-hmm. in terms of Angela and Ghost running off and going okay. to a world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fans want to know if she survived or not. You'd have to wait and watch. It could be Tommy mm-hmm. in his world and what he soon finds out if Ghost is the one that meets his fate. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be Ghost surviving and having to figure out life with his son. Or it could simply be what The Wire did on HBO and make the world center around the youth. Yeah. And so if you... Go to a whole new generation. A whole new generation yeah. in terms of what, uh, you know, Michael Rainey has been able to portray with, with that. But yeah, she hadn't given me no hints, man. Okay. I just keep showing up and trying to do the work that is there. I texted her the other day and I said, uh, if not yesterday morning, I said, just thanks for, for every single thing you've meant to my mm-hmm. journey. 
I love it. Well, thank you, because you've certainly been a part of people's journey, and there's a reason why people are responding so passionately. I appreciate that, Zay. Thank you, Omari. Very humble, brother. All right, friends. Nobody's Fool, of course, is out November 2nd. Go see Watch it. Watch it. Get your life. Tyler Perry's first R-rated comedy. Oh, hey. Okay. So that opens Come up. Come on, the, adults. It, it broadbands it a bit. All right. Adult time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and up next, we're going to be talking about our first BuzzFeed book club. We're so excited to talk about this first selection. All right. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Thank you, Zay. BuzzFeed News has launched a new book club where we bring you the best book recommendations and chat about them in a community of fellow book lovers. Our first book is Family Trust by Kathy Wang. It's a novel about a multi-generational Chinese-American family in Silicon Valley. And Kathy joins me now. Hi, Kathy. Hi, it's Hi. so good to see you. Good to see you, too. How, uh, how's it going on book day? It's okay. I mean, I'm just at home. Um, I'm in my lucky cat pajamas underneath. So I'm just, uh, you know, it's morning here. So it's pretty exciting. Excellent. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, why did you want to write about this family? You know, I think for me, it was almost something that just felt like very urgent. It was just something that I just felt like I really wanted to talk about. Um, I think part of it had to do with the fact that, you know, in fiction, I, I didn't really see any kind of Asian American families like mine. Um, you know, I love um, all of the literature out there about Asian families, but I think a lot of the time they're kind of this like very, uh, you know, they're, they're in Asia, kind of like crazy rich Asians. Um, and I wanted to kind of tell a story about an Asian American family, like a very, like a, an American tale um, just involving Asians. And did you draw inspiration uh, for these characters from people you knew? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think you always want to claim it's not autobiographical and it, it's not in that the events didn't happen to me, but you, you feel like you know the characters very, very well. I mean, I think, and it's funny because I think when Asian people read the book, they're like, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person. And so one thing that I loved, you mentioned while you were writing this, you were thinking about what is and isn't like, quote unquote, allowed in Asian American culture. What does Family Trust tell us about that? I think that's a very uh, like interesting question. Uh, you know, I think that the book definitely goes into more of that kind of model minority discussion in terms of what place Asian Americans occupy um, in culture and where we're expected to be, you know, very good at math and very nice and uh, very obedient. And I think the book kind of delves into what, you know, what the characters are really thinking internally as they occupy uh, those roles. Yeah. And you were working in tech in Silicon Valley before writing this, right? What made you transition from tech to writing? Um, you know, I think I had taken about a year and a half off at that point. And uh, I think anyone with young children kind of know the feeling of great desperation mixed with boredom when you're at home with, you know, I was at home with my toddler. Um, and so I was, you know, it's kind of like a bucket list item for me that I, I wanted to write a book. And so I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it right now because I was pregnant with my second baby and I knew I would never have time um, after the second came. Yeah. Well, that's like what's amazing about it. You wrote the whole thing during your pregnancy. Do you have any tips for taking on a new project if you actually are pregnant or looking to becoming a new mom? I think it's that, I think you have to be really desperate. Really. <laughs> like you have to have that desperation and just channel it towards your goal. 
Yeah. Well, congratulations. And thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us. Family Trust is available now, and we'll be opening our book club discussion on Facebook on November 1st. More AM to DM up next. Welcome back. Got a tweet for you here from Katie. The AM to DM guys interviewing Gritty has absolutely destroyed me today. The squeaky belly button was the end of me. <laughs> the fact that it made a sound really surprised me too. I was shaken. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I resisted. I've resisted saying this all week long. I am terrified of mascots. I have very visceral memories as a kid, like having the whole like Chuck E. Cheese birthday party and being so excited until Chuck E. Cheese himself actually came out. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I've been scarred ever since. I'm glad Gritty was on screen. <laughs> you, if he was in <laughs> like, the studio, it might, it might yeah. have... It was great. Great. Stay there. <laughs> Dear any other team with a mascot, get I at us. Come. I get, won't be here. Get at us. You'll be hosting by yourself that day. All right. All right. Well, listen, we asked you all, what would make you post three Instagram rows angry? Jolie says, it would have to be a lot. A lifetime of living with the MTA builds a high rage tolerance. Ooh, that's, that's true. I, that's almost that's zen. A good point. Zen through bad public transit. Ooh. Just like a relaxation. Good job, Joe. Because if we got that, it'd be every day. It'd be all Instagram. It would be all whole Instagram. platform. You all had a lot to say about the candy corn debate, actually. Natasha says, I love candy corn. Is it disgusting? <laughs> yes. Is it delicious? Yes. Does it make my teeth feel like they're going to fall out? Yes. I don't see what the problem is. We're all going to pass into the next life eventually. Let me go happy. Actually, yeah, that pretty much sums up how I feel about That's candy corn. What about candy pumpkins? Yeah, I, I'm convinced candy pumpkins are the same thing with just like different food coloring. It's there's green. It's green. Yeah, it's like the same taste. Ah, it tastes I like, like green. it. But yes, it's like plain like sugar, whatever. Once a year, like, I get my life. Tastes like green. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Blation FMA, you said uh, candy corn are the whoa the teeth of Satan after our righteous Lord and Savior King Jesus the Christ knocked them just <laughs> up and out of the devil's mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is such a good tweet. I could barely read it. That was so funny. Is it too late to name another tweet of the day? Yeah, that, that was, was. There we go. We got that found. was beautiful. The that was tweet. Jay. That's a really good. tweet. That was an incredible tweet. That. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're like, and that's all I've got to Still say. Still going to eat them. It was beautiful. Well, listen, thank you for that tweet, Jay, and thank you to our guests, uh, Matt Herman, Sarah Mims, Gritty, Omari Hardwick, Kathy Wang, and Ariana Revolini. Oh, look, there's candy I like corn. it. Well, you know, friends, shout out to the 14th Amendment. Shout out to the Republic. Shout out to the Constitution. We will see you tomorrow at 10 a.m., I guess. Does your belly button I'm make hungry. a sound? <laughs> Don't you touch my dead belly. <laughs>